0: Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so you can develop better products for your customers. I am interviewing speakers at my favorite annual conference for product managers and innovators. That's the PDMA Inspire Innovation Conference. And this discussion is with two speakers who did a joint session, Dr. Wayne Fisher and Dr. David Matheson, whose session is titled, Improving Decision Quality During Stage-Gate Reviews. And there's been some recent findings from PDMA's Outstanding Corporate Innovator Award program that shows that highly innovative companies follow some sort of stage and gate process, including Agile StageGate, to balance risk and rigor in the development of new products and services. Also, a recent Society of Decision Professionals poll suggests that innovation decisions are a rich area for improvement. We're gonna discuss gate decision best practices with both Wayne and David. After nearly three decades with Procter & Gamble and training thousands of the managers on innovation, Wayne founded Rockdale Innovation to guide other organizations in innovation best practices. David has more than two decades of portfolio and innovation management experience. He co-founded SmartOrg, which provides software and services to support decision-making and managing uncertainty. Also, as we are at the PDMA conference, this episode is sponsored by PDMA, the Product Development and Management Association. PDMA is the global community of professional members whose skills, expertise, and experience power the most recognized and respected innovative companies in the world. PDMA is also the longest-running professional association for product managers, leaders, and innovators, having started in 1976 and contributing research and knowledge to our discipline for nearly 50 years. I've enjoyed being a member of PDMA for almost two decades myself, and I find the resources and the opportunities to network with other professionals very valuable. To learn more about PDMA yourself, please go to pdma.org. And as always, listeners, we do create written resources for you. You'll find the complete written summary of everything we discuss and also a one-page action guide to help you put into action immediately some of the takeaways. It's also a great discussion guide if you want to use it with your group and maybe do a lunch and learn sort of meeting. Those resources are at productmasterynow.com 476. Wayne, David, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. So we're talking about decision-making and the quality of decisions. I I looked at decision-making frameworks a long time ago as as part of my engineering disciplines, right? And I'm not in the loop anymore, frankly, about uh, approaches. But I I don't know if we always think about decision quality as much as just the mechanics of what's involved in making decisions in uncertain environments. David, what do we mean by decision quality? What's involved?
1: Well, so the question is how do you know if you've made a good decision at the time you make it? And let me give you a real simple example. My son is in his early 20s. He goes out and he has a party, and he's facing the decision whether to have a sober driver or drunk driver. The drunk kids drive home, right? Now, suppose his whole group gets together and says this would be a great idea. We're all going to drive home, and everybody's safe. I would say that was a pretty bad decision. Right. But suppose, on the other hand, he says, no, I'm going to be the designated driver, and he drives home. I'd say that's a good decision, even if he gets into an accident, mm-hmm. right? So, so what is it about that difference? Uh, at this conference, we asked people in the context of their stage gate process, what made a good decision? And the interesting thing was most people basically said alignment. They said things like alignment with goals or alignment with expectations or uh, true alignment, people were really excited about it, something like this. So people sort of naive view is that alignment is a good decision. So it's the equivalent of saying we're all at a great party. And if we all decide to drive home drunk, that's a good decision. So they, they don't, as you say, people don't think about what it means to, to have a good decision. Isn't there some
0: saying about lemmings following each other off the cliff? Or mm-hmm. something?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. So exactly. alignment in that case is a poor thing. Well, so alignment would be a piece of it, but I, let's look at what might become before alignment. What are you going to consider? Let's say you're going to buy a house. Let's take something simple, right? Mm-hmm. Have you looked at several houses? Or if you fall in love with the first one you've seen, right? So decision quality would say you need to look at the options you've created for yourself and see if they're rich enough so that there's a really good choice. Okay. Okay. Or is the information you're getting actually relevant to the choices you want to make? Or do you have metrics and goals that you're pursuing that you're aware of? how this comes together into an integrated story to make a recommendation. Are the inputs actually connected to the outputs? You'd you'd be surprised how many times people bring a great stage gate package or whatever, and then people decide to do something that is completely irrelevant based on what they wanted before. And the last one is commitment. And, And certainly alignment, committing resources, having attention to move forward, But that's actually the outcome of a good decision in a way. It's not the criteria for the decision. There's
0: an element in there that, in my mind, led me into innovation a little bit, maybe some challenges with uh, decision making and innovation, because when you talk about you, you want to have a selection of, of options to consider. My background's engineering, a lot of us in innovation are, and I've been in engineering environments where as soon as we see a solution, we run with it, and we don't take the 15 minutes to maybe consider alternatives. What are some challenges, specifically in kind of a, an innovation context, with, with decision making?
1: Well, so I'd say that there are. There are two answers to that. We did a little poll on decision complexity. So one of the things okay. the Society for Decision Professionals done is they made this little.
0: And as an yes. a reminder, the Society for Decision Professionals. Yes. You're now the president of that society. Yes, I am.
1: We have a rotating presidency. This is on my turn. Okay. Yeah, exactly. V- very good. Yeah. Just what does that society do? So it's a forum for people who are serious about decision making and who want to raise standards to professional levels everywhere. Okay. So it's a professional society, it's got about 800 members, and has chapters all over the world, and it's it's people who are in corporate decisions, and social decisions, and interestingly, parental and personal decisions. Hmm. There's a huge constituency worried about children developing and reaching their agency through teaching to make better choices.
0: Okay. So I, I think of PDMA, the conference we're at, as being the professional association for people who are serious about product management, about product innovation. This sounds like
1: the association for people that are serious about decision-making. Exactly, it's a sister sister organization. And and the PDMA and SDP have an alliance to look at decision-making and innovation together. Okay, fantastic. Back to the poll, what did you find out in this poll? Well, so the Society of Decision Professionals made a little card to assess whether or not the decision you're making m- maybe it is a more complicated one. You should slow down a little bit and maybe consider more of a process. Look, if you're buying ice cream at a store, don't take any time. Just go, right? It doesn't matter. <laughs> so there are questions like, uh, is there a lot of uncertainty, particularly of a kind you haven't faced? The patients got a lot of that, right? Is there conflict that might be difficult to resolve? Is, do the best solutions require cross-functional perspectives or maybe inter- integrating different views and practices? It's you questions like that. So we did a little poll. And in this room, I was about 40 people, maybe, weight. And so I'd say, but two-thirds of the decisions are high-scoring on this, which means what they're saying is, if, you, if in this criteria, if you score a four or more, three or more, then maybe you should slow down. Mm-hmm. So most of the decisions people face, they had examples, are of this kind. And if you score six or more, you should probably talk to a decision. Permission. And it's so complicated that you should really look at how you're going to okay. get okay. to a good answer. And we had eight people out of about 40 are over the top on this card. So on one hand, decision-making innovation is just decision-making, right? It's just serious decision making. So I think that it, that that's good news in a way, because I think a lot of the general methods society's done and the work they've done in innovation and elsewhere, actually these lessons all of them. I would also maybe comment, I my firm Smarter does a lot of work in innovation. We've brought these decision science ideas into innovation. Mm-hmm. In, in, in particular, innovation management, where you're dealing with weird early stage stuff and then portfolio management, you're trying to make trade-offs among them. And I'd say one of the common things I see more concretely is people are very worried about risk when they should be worried about upside. So there's uncertainty in innovation and everybody wants a quote, reliable promise, make me a guarantee. Them. And so what people do is they dumb down, they, they make a promise they can keep rather than do something that matters. Mm-hmm. And so this is quite systematic.
0: I just want to emphasize yeah.
1: that point, right? So yeah. the, the
0: decision making ten, tends to reflect an aversion to risk, right? Which is realistic. That there's risk involved in innovation, right? We're we're moved, We're doing something new, so this yeah, is, absolutely, right. At, not, but right. as a po- but, I think you yeah. put the emphasis correctly on on what is needed.
1: Innovation is that we're also pushing towards the better, right? What, what is possible? Right. What can we do? Right. Yes. Exactly. And people lose sight of that when they talk about they don't think about uncertainty as upside and downside they think of it primarily as risk which also has a sort of emotive quality to it right I gotta get my my jobs at stake whatever I want to be Mm -hmm. successful and so on and and they don't do the upside I've gone to companies and done portfolio where you systematically look at where is the upside and I found that in a large company looking at their portfolio in this way maybe one in six projects one in eight projects something like that has upsides which are five or ten times the size of the stated business cases, and it's being left to chance. So they aren't doing anything to pursue the upside. It's just this wild dream that's actually getting discredited because if you talk too much about it, then you're a wild dreamer, right? And so it's hidden. And if you could change one in six of your projects to have 10X upsides, you only need to do half the projects in your portfolio. The knock-on effects of this are tremendous. Companies just lose a lot of opportunity. So that's a major issue when you look at, you know, uncertainty is one of the things that makes decisions complicated, and like it's on the card. But this particular thing seems to be fairly unique to innovation. It's not seeing the upside.
2: And David, I think that came out in our conversation yesterday, right? At the money gate, which is like the most important gate to get right, leadership wants a guarantee of success. Well, that's not what the stage gate process is intended to do, right? Not to... But to your point, like if I have to guarantee success, I'm going to go for the the safe bet. Right. Yeah. Minimize our risk. Okay. So so Wayne,
0: let's bring the, this innovation perspective into even more clear focus. You have been with Procter & Gamble for many years, helping them with innovation, and then you went on to help other organizations, help them innovate better. So you have lots of context for making innovation work and, and seeing how that happens. And part of that is, you just mentioned the, the money gate, right? So in a stage and gate process, there's periodic places that we make important decisions. What's going on with the decision-making at those gate reviews? Well,
2: actually, one of the big insights from our conversation yesterday is that often the decisions be made outside the formal gate review process. So that is a, like a challenge that we need to address as a community. But the purpose of the gate review is to make sure that the investment in the next phase of work is appropriate for what we know and what we don't know. Right? So at the early gates, you want to make sure that this is an idea that is really worth committing some resources to, and as the stages progress, and that's why they called out the money gate, right? Because that's where the exponential increase, we're in, deciding if we're going to develop or not. right? Yes. Yeah, yes, our money' is ramping up. So I think one of the jobs that people think about a gate review is just to make that yes/no decision.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: even if it happens sometimes outside the formal meeting. but And when you say outside the formal meeting, do you mean like in the pre-meetings getting yeah, ready for the gate review? Uh, we need to explore it further, to okay. be honest. Like what is really going on and how are decisions really being made? Because I've facilitated probably 100 gate reviews over the years, and I'm, I'm very rigorous about getting teams ready for the gate review and what goes on in the gate review. So I've not encountered this kind of like side conversations really driving the decisions and then it's a done deal coming into the gate so but for for me it's not just the yes no right go no go it's if you've said yes to investing in the next stage of work does that team have the time money and resources they need to be successful in the next stage so it, it's partially alignment and the alignment is showing up as yes when i say i need a full-time equivalent in marketing, like name names. If you can't tell me who that person is, you haven't said yes. So that's a really important principle. I think the other thing is Dave's an expert in portfolio. You make these strategy choices and portfolio choices on a fairly infrequently basis, right? So you might do your strategy every other year. You might do portfolio reviews quarterly. But where the rubber hits the road is in the gate review, right? So are those projects really consistent with our strategy, really consistent with our portfolio choices. And then if a project goes away, is there a clean link between portfolio and the gate review? So that's really important work <coughs> of the gate review. The thing that people don't think about that I've experienced in my history is you go into a gate review, you've got an army of very senior experienced managers, and it's it's an opportunity for them to really cultivate the next generation of innovation leaders, right? So by helping them think through the decision, right, you're really imparting a lot of wisdom and that's really gonna serve those leaders well in the future. Right, okay, so so the objective then in the gate meeting
0: is not just making a decision, it's also an opportunity to show process. And do some mentoring about this is how we think about decisions and make the decision together. Right,
2: exactly. Okay. And that's the other principle that I have is if anyone says no to a project at a gate review it should be the project team and not the review board. Okay
0: and just for some context on we're, t- we're talking about a stage gate system which is probably most listeners have some idea about this but uh, apparently it's still about 80% of the Fortune 500 are using some kind of system where we do work in stages and often agile stage gate is used now. So we're doing work in a series of sprints. And then we have a defined gate meeting with the appropriate decision makers to say, is this, does it make sense for us to move to the next phase of work on this project? Or should we put our resources somewhere else?
2: It's an
1: investment right?
0: decision, right? Okay, Very good.
1: So add on this, there was this, a finding that the gates, a lot of the important decisions are made outside of the context of the stage gate process. So there's literally in the room or not, but even if it's teed up in the room and happens on a subsequent meeting or after some debriefing, that was all count, right? But a lot of them happen out of the context. And there's a kind of principle of good decision making, which has to do with leadership. So if you're making a decision which is just propagating the momentum of the past. Think of a caterpillar just choosing which bite to eat next, right? Okay. Just chomp, 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 right. So these decisions don't threaten anybody. They have no emotional content or very little, right? And so you can just make a decision on its merits, right? You can just look at the pack and you can objectively review. And a lot of the stage gate process is focused on the stuff of it—the evidence, the arguments, and, and so on, right? But this principle of leadership, of decision leadership is that to the extent that you're proposing a future which is not the momentum of the past, so think of a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right, that has a lot of emotional content. And it's very well established, human psychology, is that we make our decisions emotionally and we, we justify them rationally. So if you're gonna have a good decision and have a good decision process, you have to deal with the content of how people feel about it the threat of change, the possibility of change, am I going to be good enough in the near future, or so on. So one of these things about gate decisions popping, decisions popping out of the gate review, innovation is a place where you're trying to drive change. That might be, eat a little faster, or maybe <laughs> you are proposing to become a butterfly.
0: Right. That's pretty wacky, right? And, and just to be clear, the yeah. butterfly is conceivably a disruption to the organization. Indeed. right. My project is proposing, we're going to do something so new that it's going to it's probably cannibalize some product or product line of what we have. Yeah. There's a lot of emotion connected to that because there's people invested
1: in what we do today. Absolutely. Or, so there's a case where it's obvious it's going to be that. There's also a case where people have hidden fears. One of the things people said was one of the challenges they have in getting decisions is holdbacks, right? So people will nod and smile in the meeting and then they'll snipe them later. Right. Or maybe not. Maybe you learn about it through a third party or something. Well, so you haven't actually made it safe to talk about the emotional content. Or have any mechanism for deal at zero in the gate process because it's all about the stuff, right? And so a good decision process in this context will account for that, bring people together, have ways of sharing and developing this so that people can actually turn that switch internally and intend the result. Not just say yes, I'm going to something but if you intend the outcome, then when something falls apart a little bit or wobbles, you lean in and fix it. Mm-hmm. Right. If you don't intend the outcome, you can be out fine at the manager. But as soon as it fails, that's your opportunity to swoop in and kill it. Right. So there's a. I, I think one of the things going on in the context of a gate decision is the human element of decision making. Probably isn't really baked into the process very well. Right. It, it hasn't been engineered that way.
0: So you know, a few months ago, uh, Top Gun Maverick came out. Right, and we, we see in the uh, the uh, opening twenty minutes or so the admiral's coming to kill the program, and he's coming to kill the the program of, of this plane that can do Mach ten or something, because he wants the money to go somewhere else. Right? Indeed. and there's these other factors that co- great movie. There's these other factors that come up all the time yeah. in projects. You guys are talking about gate reviews in the context of they really matter, right? And we're making the decision now to move forward or not. I'm sure people who have, that are listening, that some of them are in an environment where the gate reviews are just, it, it's a process step. They're frankly probably not super clear on why they do it because everything always goes through, right? Because I've been in companies where the, the, the they'll say even out loud with their colleagues, if we, it, something starts in, in a gate process, it never gets killed, Right. You have a different perspective here that these gates actually matter. Bob Cooper used the term. Who he's the one that observed what good companies were doing. They use some kind of stage gate process. He said, gates need to have teeth,
2: right? They, They need to actually matter. Well, Chad, I think that's why a good practice is to have a gate review process owner, right? That is mature enough and respected enough by who's going to be in the room that they can spend the time with the teams in advance saying, this is how you need to come in and tell your story based on where they are in the process, right? So if it's at that idea gate, right, where the bar is really low, right? Are you doing the best you can do to communicate what that idea really is? Because you do a poor job of articulating the idea and you've got you know eight people on your review board and they have eight different ideas in their head of what they're saying yes to. So you need to do a really thorough job of explaining what the idea is, how it would work, who's the who, why it's important to them. So we have tools and templates that allow you to tell that story based on where you are in the process. Obviously, if it's the money gate, you better have a really solid net present value analysis, right? So getting the right information in the right form to the leaders, say a week in advance, because some people like the process, some people are snap decision makers. but. Then having a a professional gate review facilitator actually conducting that review, making sure the right conversations are having, calling out the rubber stamping, right? Right. And again, there there are techniques that you can use to to make sure. It's like the the Bono six hats, right? Let's make sure we hear the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I want to hear all of that. Let's play devil's advocate. Yes, exactly, more exactly. The emotional aspect. And, and so when I say I, professional facilitator, though, to be clear, it just means that this is someone who's not on the project team, who's skilled enough at facilitation to be able to, to lead a conversation, All right? So. Okay, so a couple of important things in there. Someone who's not on the project team,
0: Yes, because uh, they're not invested, right? Because C- sometimes we have the product manager or a project manager or something. It's their baby, right? And of course, you want to see this thing pushed through so someone who's the skilled facilitator managing that take us through some what are some best practices for how can we make our gates our gate reviews better in the decision making involved and maybe you both want to address aspects of
2: this well yeah i think true because and i've learned a lot from david the element of decision quality that we do a good job of is getting the right information in the the room right so that's if you don't do that you're screwed. But again, a lot of the other elements of decision quality that David mentioned, I, I don't think we bring to the table, right? And so I think that's a real opportunity for our communities to, to grow. The other best practices that I've seen, again, I was the, the facilitator for a $4 billion business, all right? And so I was in the business, I was invested in the success of the business, and, and hopefully everyone in the room felt like they were business owners. We would schedule Uh, our gate reviews a year in advance. So second Tuesday of the month from 9 to noon, right? We knew all the decision makers were going to have that blocked off from their calendar. And so it was my job to to slot in the teams, right, to give them the the time that they need. Some decisions, and again, it's a small decision, it's ice cream, right? You don't need to go to a gate review meeting, right? We'll figure a way to get that decision made outside. Uh, But working with the teams, I know what are the more problematic decisions that we need to make. And again, doing kind of more time in the meeting, but also more time preparing. And again, the, this, this toolbox of ways to communicate to senior leaders I think is a, a really important best
1: practice. So I, I would add on this kind of decision, you, you were criticizing the stage gate for not stopping projects. And um, yeah, actually not criticizing stage gate, criticizing the implementation of it in yeah. the organization. Well, I, I would look a lot of decisions in and out of StageGate. Stopping something is one of the hardest decisions to make. Mm-hmm. And now think about this for yourself. I recently, my, you know, my kids moved out of the house, and I, so I have this car, okay? It's the family van. We all love the family van. It's not relevant to our future lives, <laughs> but it's really hard to get rid of it. If right. you wanna keep it around. And so that letting go process is extremely difficult for everybody, right. for everything. So now you've put in, you've set up a situation. I'm not sure if you could design it worse to say, look, you've put your heart and soul into this and now we want you to just, just walk away. So, so how do people actually say no to something internally? And really, it takes some time. Um, it's also, sometimes the best way to say no to something is to say yes to something else, right? Mm. And so one thing I think lacking in the de- decision meeting in a gate kind of situation is a really relevant portfolio context. So I have been in a situation, you go through and evaluate the project, you're looking at the projects at the bottom of the list, right? There's 30% of the projects. And you try to kill them. Everybody knows they need to be dead. But you go talk to those people. They have hope. They have dreams. They're tied up in it so on. And I have found if you get a good portfolio review, often, always, you can get people to walk away from their own projects because they want to work on something better. Right, that other thing is more exciting. Exactly. So you have to have this context of, But what is the, we think small costs, small projects or things, they they have small costs. They don't. The the time you spend in your life is measured by what you otherwise might have done, right? The money might have done, whatever might have done. And so unless there's some kind of visibility to that, then you're really asking people to make one of the toughest decisions anybody could make, which is to reject your past and say no. And then you walk away into nothing is very hard but walking towards something is much easier, then you can leave it behind, right? So it's when we found, got excited about electric cars and this new thing that, then it was easy to leave the van behind, there, right? Right, Because I was moving in a different direction. That kind of goes back to your point about
0: making decisions that are, are more weight on the risk side versus the upside, right? Yeah. And if we see upside here for killing off this project, uh, and I usually put it in the customer context. Like, If we know that the path we're going down is not going to create value for the customer and we mm-hmm. can't realize value for it as an organization, yeah. it doesn't make sense for us to do. And if we're all wired in some sense, our yeah. culture says making generating value for the customer is yeah. job one here, then that's a little bit easier if we know this other thing we could move to is going to generate value. Well,
1: go, go back to my car example. The problem is not that it won't. The problem is that it will. So that old beat up van... Is perfectly adequate transportation Mm -hmm. and i know it well right so my my perception of risk is much higher because of my familiarity the possibility of the new car the electric car for me is unexplored right and so but they both provide perfectly good transportation so what is it that will pull you into the future you say it Mm -hmm. may not be that it doesn't work it may be that you're stuck in your own. Right. way of thinking, right? And so how do you bring that forward in a way that people can really engage it and talk about it and move,
2: right? Yeah, I think the other best practice that's pretty well established now is this idea of killer issues. So if you can get teams early to acknowledge that this one thing will kill the project. So let's just agree in it's metrics, right? Let's agree in advance that if we can't satisfy this requirement, the project should die, right? And, and so, in my example, we were in a sold-out business. That means any new product you want to put on the shelf, if I've got to slow the machine down and make less product, there's no way that I'm going to make up for that in margin, right? I'm losing cases. So I'm losing all the profit pickup from those cases, and I can't make that up with any product design, right? So it's all agree in advance. That's a killer issue. For other businesses it'll be something else. But usually there's one thing that makes it easy to say no. And you get the team focused on let's disprove that killer issue.
1: And I've seen an upside version of that. So back to the upside mm-hmm. thinking. Sometimes you can say, What's the giant dream that's completely unreasonable? And people might that make it safe enough for me to talk about. It. And you say, Okay, what could we learn that would show that's less crazy than we think? And most of the time, it is crazy, but sometimes it's not. And there's a way in which innovation is, is a search for the unreasonable. So you, wanna, you can do these killer issues to kill projects, but equally, it, you can put these things in play and go get evidence for them. And one in eight, one in 10 times, it is actually a fantastic idea, right? And if you've set this up in advance, you have the flip like, how do you get the executives, executive investors, to lean into the new? that they know is crazy, right? So by setting it up in this way in the reverse method, you can build momentum through evidence and excitement about discovery and new upside. So this is the yes and the no.
0: There were lots of of important points along the way. Each one of those we could dive into deeply. I don't know if there's some place that people can go find some resources. If there's information that you have that you refer to, like you talked about the preparing for gates and there's templates for these sort of things, decision-making, the, the, the criteria going through the questions.
1: Yes. Resources people can find on, on these? Well, let me start with a little group called Iggy, Iggy the Innovation Interest Group, which is a joint interest group between the PDMA and SDP. And so this is a group and these are professional societies we're doing network we're understanding this problem and you're all invited so we would love to have you guys join um where, where do we find information on iggy this is I-I-G-Y. iigy and it's on it's in the society of decision professionals so you can go to the society of decision professionals website and okay. we hope to also get it stood up on the pdma website although we mm. won't have to speak to that one that's how you can learn it and really participate because these are frontiers of innovation practices, right? Stage gate has served as well. It has some flaws like anything, right? Sure. And so there's always room. We're improving and, practice all yeah, the time. Improving all right. practice all the time. And I think this lens of decision making has not been systematically or professionally applied. So that's what Iggy is about and is part of the Society for Decision Professionals.
0: On I think we should have a yeah. context a contest for a mascot for Iggy because oh, we've got, one. One. We've got oh, one. One. oh do you have one oh,
1: you already got one a- an Iggy it's a kind of dog oh okay, okay. A, Good. A after after the, the mascot is a picture of a dog that looks like it's about to get up to some mischief okay <laughs> oh, fantastic one. yeah but other resources decision quality is a well-established framework mm-hmm. society you can find that in the Society for Decision Professionals uh, you could look there also under decision leadership to get into this point about if you're trying to drive transformation, then he gets turned up on some of these things. Also, my company, SmartOrg, um, has made a practice out of taking decision science into innovation and portfolio management. So if those are of interest to you, you can check out SmartOrg website and learn more there. And I know Wayne has a lot of good stuff from the PDMA and, and his organization. So Wayne, where do people go for resources?
2: Well, again, I'm on the board of directors of PDMA, so I'm going to do nothing but shamelessly plug PDMA. For $35 a year, you have access to, like you said, almost 50 years of research, our brand new body of knowledge. So if someone wants to contact me, I would love them to go to PDMA.org. My contact information is there on the homepage, and again, join. $35 a year, it's an unbelievable bargain. It's a great deal, deal. Okay. Yeah. As listeners know, we also like innovation
0: quotes, and innovation quote can be really any quote, you just think about it in an innovation context, right?
2: So Wayne, do you have one for us? I do have one, so Samson from the Old Testament, mm-hmm. he killed a thousand men with the jawbone of an ass. That many great ideas are killed every day using the same weapon. <laughs> do, do you care
0: to uh, uh, put explain this a little bit? And how about ideas being killed?
2: Well, you know, <laughs> we're in the context of decision making, innovation, right? The the it's just I have seen many leaders believe it's their job to protect my company from your idea. All right. So the idea of squelching an idea without even allowing it to go through any kind of thought process. Right. I, I grew up in an advocacy. Who advocates the best for my project gets the resources. And we're, we're trying to get away from that. OK, good. Better decision making. How about you, David?
1: Well, my favorite quote is by Alan Kay. We all get hung up about forecasting and guarantees and understanding how the world would change. And Alan Kay says the best way to predict the future is to invent it. So hmm. go out there and do great things and invent something awesome.
0: Be part of what's happening.
1: Be of what's happening, exactly. Good. And
0: just to reflect on the, the discussion about decision-making, some of the big t- key takeaways for me, and, and the quotes tie in this a little bit, trigger the thinking. Thinking about gate reviews not just as the decision that takes place in that review, but as an opportunity to be sharing process, building process, mentoring others, helping the team get better at making decisions. Decision-making itself, thinking of not just the risks we're exposed to. We see this more in regular Highly re- regulated industries, for sure, but the potential up- upside, right, that gets I think not given the attention that it deserves. So really important, and that we could have tools and processes, and there are those that are trained in decision making, and there are those that are trained in facilitation for things like gate reviews. So really enjoyable conversation, and again, resources at pdma.org. SDP, what's the website for the society? Of society
1: of the... for the <laughs> society there you, you go. go dub 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 decisionprofessionals.com
0: okay so decisionprofessionals.com is a society for decision professionals and then your organization smartorg
1: yep smartorg.com
0: and Wayne if people want to find you you are at rockdale rockdale-innovation.com okay gentlemen thank you both for being part of the podcast all right thank yeah. you Chad And listeners, one more time, if you want to find a written summary of everything we discussed and that one-page action guide, those resources are at productmasterynow.com slash 476. As always, keep innovating.
2: Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.